So I've been playing, well, actually I finished the Secret of Mana remake, and you know, have, I mean, have you heard about it? Have you, have you heard people's response to it? I've heard, I've heard that there are a lot of negative responses, and there are also some people just sort of defending it, that, what were you expecting? And I'm somewhere in the middle, because a lot of the complaints I see from a lot of these folks is, is, like, I... I feel like the expectation is I wanted this to be the game that I fell in love with, but without the warts and all. Hmm. And I'm not sure what they mean because, like, they they they, they wanted to preserve. Like, I don't, I don't know. Maybe I should step backward a little bit because to to, to give my basics is I actually ended up liking the Secret of Mana remake because it's basically Secret of Mana with. A couple of things I would consider improvements. One of which is the ability to move and aim in any direction, all 360 degrees. And there's a little bit of auto-aim to also help as well. And I also like that it has an auto-save feature. Which is especially useful considering the game is crashing all the time. So, <laughs> it's, a... it's not perfect. But... but Is that an improvement over the cart, or is that just emulating cart behavior? It's not emulating cart behavior, trust I me. I, yeah, I didn't play Super Nintendo a lot, so I don't know. No. My, my regular Nintendo, the cartridge was completely unreliable, so... Well, that's the regular... <laughs> that's the original <laughs> Nintendo. That's, yeah. that's part of that system. That's true, no. true. Super Nintendo is always right. much better with that. Right, but. and I mean, well, that's what... We get a lot of... A pretty good number of remakes and reboots and uh, these days. And there's sort of this tension, right, between... Making a game, making the original game, and sort of whatever kind of any kind of change you make to it, you're you could it's gonna make somebody mad. Either you make it exactly like the original, and you make the people who the new people mad and say, "Oh, this is like lame." Like, yeah, and the 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 extent that I would say is like like jumping in for the first time. My expect like I, I was still enjoying it, but at the same time, I'm sitting here like. Really, this is it? Because yeah, it's 3D models and they look gorgeous. Though I'm reminded of a link between worlds, where Nintendo did a neat little visual trick where everything's actually tilted back to make the the, the top down view look as close to the Super Nintendo perspective. Because that Super Nintendo perspective was impossible if you go back and you play and you remember. Yeah. You saw way too much of Link for a top-down view, and yet in A Link Between Worlds, they got really close by just changing how the characters were rendered. They're all kind of like leaning back and right. everything. But from the camera's perspective, it doesn't look that look like that. Secret of Mana doesn't do anything like that, so it doesn't really... There's that little iffy adjustment period. But, I mean, I had just played this on the SNES Classic for a while. I did a few dungeons, went over, played the remake, and, I mean, it's gorgeous. It actually is a very beautiful art style, so a lot of people are complaining about it. Hmm. I don't agree. I think their nostalgia is getting to them because, like, it doesn't, it's not as vibrant. It doesn't pop, and it's like, this game is beautiful. It's got that old aesthetic. It's just, ugh. Well, it's, I guess, people take their sprites... You know, very seriously. I, I'm kind of, I'm kind of in that camp too. Like when I heard, so the Chrono Trigger just got the port, uh, you know, the thousandth port of Chrono Trigger this time on port. the PC, but this time it was ported uh, from, from the, the mobile game. version, which the- makes sense because that's going to be your most up-to-date code base, and it's going to be the easiest to port to PC. The problem is, it's like they did it in an afternoon. Right. And they, they didn't, didn't really... bother with things like the fonts, and they didn't upscale. So, as well, they still things... got a touch interface in there, right? So, I played so a lot of these games, these these classic games. I played on emulators, and a lot of the emulators would upscale your sprites <laughs> and do and smooth upscale and smoothing and all these other stuff. And so, when I look at these those kinds of things, I wonder, oh, like, couldn't they? I feel like my my you know playing it on an emulator in 2001 was better than this. But then, but anyway, so that's you know, right. People people like the sprite. So when you go to a 3D model from a sprite, 
there's a little bit of. But the the 3D models are fine. Like the aesthetic is completely fine. I don't understand where a lot of those complaints are coming from. But what I do understand is when you first play and like I'm even playing like cheaper games like Bravely Default where their mouths will move uh, under most circumstances at least. And yet here the mouths are not moving. So you hear all of these words coming out and yet it looks like a weird episode of Thunderbirds. <laughs> um, but that's only for certain cutscenes. I'm trying to remember if that's the same in Adventures of Mana because I played the Adventures of Mana on the phone. Um, I played it on the PSP. Oh, PSP? Yeah, or not PSP, Vita. Vita. Vita, okay. Because, yeah. Um, yeah, that was a remake as well. But you have uh, elements of presentation, I guess you could say, because a lot of the cutscenes occur. Well, they're cutscenes, I guess, would seem cinematic, but story scenes then, where it's just text and everything, and there is some voice acting. But the way characters appear and move around is as outdated as the old Super Nintendo game. That was done exactly the same, but because of the 3D graphics, it actually looks cheaper than it would have on the Super Nintendo. Um, I mean, for me, those are my major... That's my major complaint, is a lot of these moments I would have preferred have been done better because we have the technology to do this story stuff better, but but it was kept the same, and therefore it looks cheap. But otherwise... When it comes to how the game plays and how it feels, I prefer it. Um, it's only slightly so, because otherwise, my main question would be, why does this remake exist if it adheres so closely to the original? Hmm. Because there are slight differences based off of the new engine. Um, for some reason, uh, any enemies with projectiles, like the Chobin Hoods, hmm. are rapid fire. They attack much more frequently, and because they're ranged, it's... It's there might have been some limitation disaster. on how many things the uh, the SNES is could handle is at the time on a screen, and, and those sort of limitations thing. don't exist. But um, they tried to maintain a lot of those limitations. Like normally, like there won't be more than roughly three enemies at a time because that's all the Super Nintendo could handle, and they maintain a lot of that, including AI behaviors. Oh. Um, so it is surprisingly faithful. And for me, because of the smaller adjustments, like the autosave again, and also having the 360-degree movement, I would honestly... Like, this game feels better to play than the Super Nintendo one for me, so I'd prefer this. But a lot of people are complaining, even though then you have... Like, my brother and my friend both played this, and it's like, this is exactly what I wanted out of Secret of Mana remake. The game I remember... But with like visual touch-ups, right. like all the like the minor modifications don't matter to them. Like any inner, uh, inconvenience or anything, they wanted the the game they played with no with no adjustments, no no quality of life improvement. Because there's some quality of life improvements you could do to make the grinding less of a pain in the butt, but they aren't there. Right. They made the game as it was, and. Again, I wonder, like, why didn't you just port the game? But this does beg the question of why do you do a remake? And who do you do a remake for, I guess, is part of it. Because for Secret of Mana, this remake isn't going to do much to appeal to a newer audience. But how much would trying to appeal to a newer audience also violate what makes Secret of Mana what it is? Hmm. So, yeah, that's. I think that's an interesting question because like when we're looking at these things there's a there's a number of of points that go into you know remakes re, re updates and, and it's other things that we see right so we see some some things like like this so adventures of mana secret of mana where you take a game and rather than just you know doing giving it the uh was it like the final fantasy anthology treatment and you know now you can play it on your modern system uh, same game you always played, just, you know, we're, we got a little emulator on the disc for you to play the game. By anthology, you mean the six, uh, 5 and 6 one, right? 5 and 6, which I guess included 5, which was not available in the U.S. And or I've been playing the Kingdom Hearts Final Mix 1.5 and 2.5 on PlayStation 4. And that's that's super convenient, because it gives me all of these games, the, you know, Birth by Sleep... 
was only available on PSP. And they never released it digitally, so you can't play it on your Vita. You can only play it with the original, like, PSP cartridge. The disc thing, yeah. Or, yeah, the UMD, UMD. disc, yeah. And a, an actual physical PSP. Now you can play it on your, on your. Well, I guess you could have, they did it on PS3 and now PS4. So there's that kind of update where it's just, like, for your convenience. Ports or remasters. And that's where yeah. I think there's a little discussion to be had, like, what does remaster necessarily mean? Because, like, you and I were talking... Um, you thought the Halo Combat Evolved Anniversary Edition was a remake, and I insisted it was just a remaster, but the thing is, it's not just taking the old graphics and upscaling them. It is the same old engine as before, but they've completely reskinned the game, and you can always switch back to the old, Yeah. but they've completely reskinned it to have newer, more beautiful graphics. So, where does that fall in line in terms of remake versus remaster the amount of work you're doing so what's the difference between so secret of mana you're taking all of the mechanics all of the design elements and kind of re-implementing them you are rebuilding them but you're building them to be as close as possible to the new engine versus something like and obviously halo you had modern bones to build on but you're you're taking that and you're just saying okay we're completely redrawing every texture and redoing every model to 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 look like a whatever whatever came out 2009 game or something yeah. versus a 2001 game. And then you have Wind Waker HD and Twilight Princess HD, both of which tried to include quality of life improvements, but they didn't actually change like it's the same code base, it's the same right. art but upscaled. So, to what end are those games simply remasters? Or, well, because they're they're more different from their predecessor, technically, than Secret of Mana might be considered. Right. Um, so, I mean, so off the top of my head, I think there's a couple things. And I don't know where Secret of Mana fits into this. Cause I think that's a little bit with of an odd duck with some of these other ones. Sometimes I think there's a, there's a completionist element, right? So, the one I think of with that, and these were... A little bit remake, a little bit just uh, port. Where the on the PS One you got Final Fantasy Origins, which gave you a remade version of, of one and two. One and two, basically not in a PlayStation style, but in a Super Nintendo style, as opposed to yeah. a Nintendo style. Slightly fancier graphics, but right. in and that vein. And then you got um, five and six in Final Fantasy Anthology, along with. Chrono Trigger was it Chrono Trigger packed? That was part of Chronicles. That Chronicles. was f- four and Chrono Trigger. Was four together. and Chrono Trigger. But anyway, so yes, yeah, so you got all but one Final Fantasy game from the eight and sixteen bit era, sort of repackaged. And so now, for the completionist who either didn't have Nintendo consoles or didn't want to have to bother with cartridges or other things, now you have the full set on your modern system to play through. And maybe prepare yourself for the next game in the series. Yeah. And I think it's interesting you also bring up the Final Fantasy Origins, though. Because one of the things I found with their implementation of Final Fantasy 1 that I really liked at the time is you could... You had a number of things you could customize and switch. Um, Final Fantasy 1 was very different from from, from its followers. It is the predecessor in that the highest level was 50 and you didn't have magic points you had a different level for each spell and you had up to 9 spells you can cast in that level or rather up to 9 castings I guess you could say right. so oh, wow. between fire, ice and lightning in level 1 you could only cast those spells 9 times it's hard to explain like it's more specifically, it's more Dungeons and Dragons like. Yes, it is closer where, to Dungeons and Dragons. Where it's like you have to you call the spell to mind and you cast the spell and now that spell yes, is now you have only eight level one spells you can cast that. Right, now you're now that spell's gone or whatever. It's sort of a similar idea to that. And that's the maxed out, but you can switch to magic points. You can either switch to regular levels, you can switch right. to magic points, and you could even tell the game if you wanted to um do the like? Do you remember how back then, like you couldn't? It did automatically retarget if you killed an enemy, right? So you had the ineffective because it swung at a dead body. 
you could turn that on or off. That's right. Yeah. And my preferred way of playing it myself was to simply turn that ineffective part off, but I preferred the up to level 50 and the old magic system because to me, that's part of what made the original Final Fantasy what it was. Right. So I didn't want to take that away from it, but if you wanted to, you could not, when it was remade on the GBA, it was the magic points and the up to level 99. Right, you know, and that's funny because yeah, I think I ended up, I played Final Fantasy Origins version of one I think the one I played all the way through was actually on the GBA with the all of the changes sort of just in there for you. Yeah, because they there was no option to take it out. I talked yeah. to my um, roommate at the time because I, I thought there would be, but on the GBA, no. But for me, I liked it better on the PlayStation because you could, you could choose. And maybe that's something that Secret of Mana could have implemented because they had, in, in the original game, you're limited to four of each item. Um, whereas here there is a menu option to change from 4 to 8 to 12 you can max out of 12 items instead or 12 of each item so if you could change that why not change how fast weapons level up why not have an option to toggle how much magic points you have because those that, that's limited um, why, why not have that kind of stuff toggled and other quality of life improvements. Yeah. So it does make me wonder for a role-playing game, it feels like some of this would be easier. Because... It's sort of like you're, uh, you know, you're updating the, the campaign from Advanced Dungeons & Dragons 3 to Advanced Dungeons & Dragons 4 rules or something like that, you know? I don't think that's how exactly... Not exactly how it works, but you get what I'm saying, that you're, <laughs> by, with, with these sorts of games, by, by changing the, the mechanic... Do you do you stack up or 3.5? Right, yeah, that you're right. Okay, like, okay, well, this change was made to the Hunter's uh, Move Silently ability or something, so when you do this campaign, all right, well, we're going to, even though this campaign was written for version 3, we're going to play with version 4 rules and yeah. whatever. That, that's sort of what the... What would be nice to be able to do, right? In, yeah. In some of these games is... But then, well, f when we move away from role-playing games, you and I have played a few different uh, games, because I don't think... Did you play the Resident Evil remake? I... Did I play... I don't... If I played it, I didn't remember it very well. All right, because I also didn't really play the original Resident Evil, but I know a few differences in them. They See, did... I played I played the original Resident Evil 1 and 2... I never. I think I got the remake, but I had briefly had a GameCube and started it, and never got very far with it. Because the Re Resident Evil remake was hugely, hugely like the basic mechanics were the same though, and that's what has me wonder. Because Re Resident Evil remake had the tank controls still. Um, they might have added a couple of things that were a little like I, I don't remember if the original had the defense knives that you could use. They might have. I think they were added. Um, like if, if a zombie, if, as long as you had like uh, knives on your person, um, if a zombie was grappling you, you could stab it in the face and then get away. It staggered and let go of you. This was in the remake. I, you're right. I think it is original to the remake because the Resident Evil 2 port on GameCube did not have that. So that was a slight change. That was a quality of life change. They added the crimson heads. So a lot of what the Resident Evil remake did was a lot of addition. Because there's also a new monster. There's uh, new areas with new story elements. Um, they did remix some of the mansion's locations, I recall them saying. But if that one was, I guess, true to the spirit of it, even though like the voice acting's better for the mm -hmm. era especially. The voice acting's better, the uh, motion capture and storytelling is better. A lot of this stuff's better than the original game on the PlayStation. But... It's also not... Like, I, I, I'm not sure if there was anyone at the time that played it was like, man, the original PlayStation was better. Right. Uh, and maybe that's also because there was less of a gap. Because now we're talking like a 20-plus year gap between Secret of Mana versions and between the Resident Evil remake and Resident Evil original wasn't even 10 years. Right. And so you have a lot of... One, you have a lot of evolution going on. I mean, you also have a lot of time for nostalgia to build up. It's a lot closer to, in, in terms of time spread, to the Super Mario original games on the NES and then Super Mario All-Stars. But even All-Stars was nothing more than a graphical upgrade. There wasn't really too much difference. Right. I think there are people that say Mario Brothers 3 isn't completely the same. 
Hmm. But otherwise, I mean, to me, it's everything's well, the same. All Stars. There was originally All Stars on the on the SNES. All Stars with the Super Nintendo, but everything was from the original NES. Is where it was upscaled. Right. Well, not even upscaled. It was like completely new sprites, but yeah, like everything then, about the feel of the game seemed. And the then, same right, then they redid all that All Stars on the Wii again. But right, so you have this these kind of different different categories of remakes, I guess, where you have something right, something like Resident Evil. You're leaving the, the primary mechanics in place, but you're adding adding kind of new features. You know what it makes me think of is, is, is you know, long-time listeners know that Chris and I are both big music fans. <laughs> and a lot of times, um, like a, a, a new band, well, they'll release a, like an EP or like a couple tracks. And then a year later or something, a couple years later, they'll release their first full album. And there'll be a track from the EP... That makes it onto the full album, but it's re-recorded, and you know they changed the melody in one place, or they added a longer intro, and they changed little things around. I know and, a few bands that have done yeah. that, or you could also look at um, bands that go back and they'll just re-record their first right. album. Sonata Artica did that. Right. Um, band I discovered re- uh, last year, Eden's Curse, they did that. Right. And, and even having played in bands, we would have you know recorded a song, but then working on it rehearsing for live shows we'd say like oh hey like let's let's change this thing here or like oh this would work really well here let's change this and so i think this can kind of happen this something like the resident evil remake on gamecube is almost like hey we had this great idea that we never really got to implement in the game that we that we think would work really well yeah. and we're kind of we're going to kind of throw that in um, where we got this opportunity we got a new audience a new system you know, a lot of GameCube people probably came from the N64, didn't have a PS1. So now when they get introduced to Resident Evil, they're going to get introduced to it with our our sort of, like, better vision of, <laughs> of improving that. Um, and how much, I mean, how much of that do you think is, is different from what's happening with Secret of Mana? Is that is that what's happening? Are they saying that's the thing? Secret Mana didn't make any additions or other than the graphics. I mean, actually, it's also got a nicer translation, which is really weird because I listen to Jeremy Parrish's Retronaut stuff. I like his podcast, but I read his review on Polygon, and he's sitting there like the the, even the new translation got rid of the whimsy of the original. And the original Secret Mana on the Super Nintendo was so limited in space that the translation was awful. And, like, truncated. There wasn't much whimsy. It was as, like, simplified English as you could get. And it was very straightforward. And to me, there's a lot of moments where the translation adds some character. Now, it's never really a good story. The story is very simple. I mean, you you, you fight and then save Santa Claus. Come on. Um, It's it's not, like, even when we're considering... Squaresoft's like line like this this is on the level of Final Fantasy 4 in terms of storytelling and I love Final Fantasy 4 it's big and influential wait, 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 hold on, hold on. Final Fantasy 4 so, so you're saying you're saying it's a bad story and then you're saying it's on the level of Final Fantasy 4 because Final Fantasy 4 is a great story about no. redemption no it is not a great about, story at all and about it is so melodramatic and dude this is like Final Fantasy 4 is the game that taught me games could be more than just toys okay this could be an art form I'm sa- or at least the best comprehension Cecil, I have of that at 7 years old Cecil forsakes the darkness and embraces the light and the manner in which you do that is awesome yes Kane Kane pulls a switcheroo three, three times or so yeah, but, like, he, but he he's eventually redeemed especially in the ending saying that he's now on yes, his own yes where you journey. see him on Mount Ordeal right, yes he's yes gonna, yes he's gonna Forsake the darkness and embrace the light and all that. It stuff. doesn't mean the game was written well. Look, the, the story was not written very well. Okay, it is very straightforward. But let it, okay. Regardless, it's no Final Fantasy VI or Chrono Trigger. How about that? Okay, yeah. Well, there's nothing is <laughs> Chrono Trigger. So, <laughs> um, they but, did a 3D remake of Chrono Trigger. I'm gonna beat somebody up. I mean, they did do that cease and desist like 15 years ago. That's true. <laughs> um, but when it comes to the storytelling of Secret of Mana, like, it was never a really great story to begin with. These characters weren't really very deep or developed. Um, and so I like having a better translation. 
and I don't understand anything about like a lack of whimsy, but maybe they're just maybe it's like if we were to actually have a good translation of Final Fantasy IV, you'd get rid of you Spoony Bard. Right. The only reason to include you Spoony Bard is for the nostalgic purpose because it was a bad translation at the time that because no one knew what it meant became a meme of hysteria. Just like Garland's I Garland shall knock you all down. <laughs> yeah. Or um yeah, or or Final Fantasy V's protagonist being named Butts. Yeah, I think in Japanese it would have been Batsu. Yeah, the later ver- I think the Which is why they call him Bart's because they don't really have an R sound like we have, so Batsu could be translated as Bart's. Bart's. No, wait, did that... Shoot, now I'm trying to remember. Was that only in the fan translations that he was Butts? That would have been the, I believe, the fan in... translations. It, okay. Never it mind. might have been the PlayStation 1. I don't know. Yeah, I think in the PlayStation 1. No, no, was it wasn't. It wasn't because the PS... I, I got the PlayStation 1 on the PSP, and it's Bart's there. And the Final Fantasy translation we got was pretty awful, too. Even though, theoretically, being on the PlayStation, it should have been able to be a good translation. He'll always be butts to me. Uh, okay. <laughs> so, speaking of, of the translations. Anyway, there's... Right, there's a little bit of... Of fun and whimsy with some of these... these tra- not, not whimsy, but... These things that are... Are memorable and even if they're a little bit terrible, and they kind of they right, they give it some character. Yeah, and so I mean, I couldn't understand if maybe there's some lines you missed because of that, but at the same time, they actually kept all the Super Nintendo localized names for the most part. Mm-hmm. Um, like for example, there's no reason when you're releasing a game on the PlayStation Four to name something Heckhound. Which it would have been Heckhound on the Super Nintendo, because Nintendo was very, uh, not, they didn't want that kind of stuff. Nintendo sensors. Yeah, um, or in the original Japanese version, uh, Japanese version, the air based, uh, summon you get, I can't remember, Elemental, is Jin. But instead of Jin, they translate it to be Sylphid in English, even though it looks nothing like you might normally imagine a Sylphid does. Right. Um, and they kept it as Sylphid for this. Instead of Salamander, it's Salamando, just like on the Super Nintendo. Jump so the letters. names of enemies, the names of characters, uh, the na- like all these things were kept the same from the that's Super Nintendo translation. That's, that seems like weird. Just weird. I don't know, I guess... Because there's obviously some care for the nostalgia people right. have for this property. Um, it's just... What people, I think, want is to feel like they're playing the game for the first time all over again. And that's not what you get. And I guess maybe that's the difference with the Resident Evil remake. is It made additions without necessarily making actual full-grade changes. Because the ca- the basics of the gameplay are the same, the basic enemy behavior is the same. All of this stuff is the same. The story is pretty much the same, with maybe a few additions and changes. But it's like it's always additioned. It's always added. It's like and it's like watching the extended version of a movie. Right. It's like going from Lord of the Rings to the Lord of the Rings extended editions, only right. in 4K, I guess. I don't know. Like in, yeah, in 4K. Um, um, I mean that that's my best kind of comparison I guess for the Resident Evil remake because then there's other remakes that you can compare to like for example I played Metroid Zero Mission which is a remake of the first Metroid which takes the fact that the original Metroid is a completely open open labyrinth open and labyrinth and maze it takes like the modern adjustments that you get with Super Metroid and lays that over it but there's also even Zero Mission has a better engine than Super Metroid, so right. it feels so good to play. But there's also the objective markers. There's a linearity. They rearranged where some of the items are, but for the most part, the world's kind of right. the same. So They it, added bosses. And, of course, they added the whole Zero Suit sec- segment, which I could do without. So that's where, to me, I guess, is when is addition too much? And Metroid Samus Returns does do the same thing at the end, because there's a... Uh, I mean, I imagine by now a lot of people know, but there is sort of a special secret boss at the very end. Well, not even secret. There's a special boss at the end that kind of disrupts the flow of the story that Metroid 2 established. Um, 
so there is an extent where with these games where it's like, okay, give me the old game with a much better engine that I appreciate. But how much do you change from there? Like, if they were to remake Super Metroid, what would it be? Like, I would love Super Metroid with a brand new engine, and maybe maybe a couple changes to make Meridia less of a pain in the butt. <laughs> but, um, and maybe the Crash Ship as well. But for the most part, it's like, what kind of changes can you have faith for them to make with something like that? And right. maybe this is where I kind of understand Nintendo's stance... Where instead of outright remaking games, they'd rather do a new game in the spirit of it, but with, uh, I guess, I guess for simplicity's sake, gimmicks. Like a Link Between Worlds is effectively a Link to the Past, but with a com- with a complete change to the item system, and you can stick yourself to walls. So it gives you the same feeling you get from when you play a Link to the Past, but it's not a Link to the Past. Right. Yeah, and. That's a, I think that's a, a good route to go. I'm just thinking about like, uh, so in the in the realms of games that are not remakes that are in the spirit, I recently went back to I Am Setsuna. Which uh, I am now playing. Which you, oh, you started that? Yeah, uh, I was okay. playing oh, on the Switch when you came downstairs. Oh, cool. Yeah, so that's a game which tries very hard to be Chrono Trigger. It's not Chrono Trigger. Down to... You have you have a lot of the same attack. You got names. techs. You have combos, and yeah, the tech is called Cyclone. And you work with someone else to use extra and Luminare and all these other things. And so, but it's a totally fresh game, so you get a you get a fresh feeling um, of I'm playing a new game. And but the everything about the game is screaming at you. Chrono Trigger, at least for me. Maybe, maybe I'm crazy. Well, some of it I didn't even notice, partially because the aesthetic of it. Like, it is all in snow, which I think a lot of people complained about. And I guess you can see, because most of the time you're kind of in forests. But for me, one of the things I actually kind of like about um, I Am Setsuna is that the snow gives it a sort of tone. And then, because Chrono Trigger I associate with all these different colors, I don't even think about the fact that, oh yeah, the world map... As you walking around, not getting into random encounters, just like Chrono Trigger. Yeah. Oh. It's and but, right. So you have you have a new game in the spirit, where right, um, it's Tokyo RPG Factory is owned by Square, right? So Square could yes. have just said, "Hey, give us a 3D Chrono Trigger remake." Uh, but instead, we get I Am Setsuna. Right. And Lost Fear. Lost Fear, which. I was thinking about picking up, and I saw it was $50, and I was like... That's what a lot of people are feeling like right now. Uh, I'll pick it up when the price drops. Yeah. <laughs> uh, because I did really... I, mean, I Am Setsuna is, is a really... It's a beautiful game, and if you if you like the games... If you're interested in this this podcast right now because you love games like Adventures of Mana, and or Secret of Mana, I also played Adventure, or Adventures of Mana, and Chrono Trigger, and all these other um, great classic RPGs... Uh, yeah. Then, then yeah, you should totally play I Am Setsuna. But play it because if once I beat it, we're probably going to do a spoiler podcast on it, yeah. and that means like what two weeks, four weeks. I mean, oh, I never even got to explain to you guys that I got sick, and that's why this is a week late. Yeah. So, Chris, man, sorry, it's 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 all them 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 the illnesses and the snots. But uh, regardless. So, um, so, so right. So we have this kind of we're, we're, we're kind of we're kind of breaking down this this whole system here. I feel like where you have, on the one hand, you do Final Fantasy anthology, right? Yeah. You you just port the game. Uh, on the other hand, you do like the new mobile ports of Final Fantasy VI, and you replace <sighs> oh, the oh. classic beautiful sprites with garbage. Um, uh, like it's literally Adobe, like, uh, not even Adobe Illustrator trash. Like, oh my god, um, oh. that's that's something else entirely. Or you do something like the, I think Square sort of has a tradition of doing these now. Was it was Final Fantasy three the first one? Where they did of the a, remakes? You mean oh, they did a three D remake of a two D? They did a three three D remake of three, and then that same. T- well, the thing is that was um, was it, it was Silicon. Studio? It was like Silicon something, I think. Um, 
because they did the Final Fantasy 3 remake, then they did the Final Fantasy 4 remake. Whereas I was telling you, like, Final Fantasy 3 did a lot of changes to the story and everything. Because right. originally the characters were just all Onion Knights. There wasn't really much to them. Yeah. And now it gives them all a personality. Not much of one, but... but yeah, right. It, um, it made some... Right. That's one that, that made some... They tried to improve the game and kind of take the game and say, that was honestly three, in terms of your characters, was actually a downgrade from two. Where two, you had a party with characters with the whole story, and, yeah, a mo- and their own motivation, not just save the princess, save the world. Um, and three, sorry, they tried to put some of that back in. Um, but so you had a bunch and of those. Four was remake was remade, but then they had that studio make Final Fantasy Four Warriors of Light on the DS, and then now they're the team that makes Bravely Default. So they're basically the classic Final Fantasy development team at this point. Right. And so, right, but you get this where, now, are the, do you think these 3D remakes, do you think part of the idea is just, there's a generation of, there's a generation like us who has, we're in our 30s, um, we, we started on, on sprites and 2D and all these other things, but there's a, a generation after us that... Started on polygons. They started on polygons, and so for them, the sprites don't have the same. There's no nostalgia there, and they just were never into it. They don't get into it. So we make a 3D remake in hopes of we're going to attract a new generation of of gamers to these classic games. But then I don't think any of the changes are enough to really do that. Unless, because my my biggest issue with uh, Secret of Mana is it kind of begs the completionist in me to try and maximize the levels of all the weapons and all the spells. But after a time, that becomes such a grind, it's like, okay, never mind, I'm just going to go and do this. And there's a number of modern, not even modern, like even at the time, like a number of changes I feel like you could have made to have persuaded the player to play a different way or to have changed how leveling those weapons up or give each character weapons specific to themselves so each character has fewer weapons to level up. Like, there's a number of changes you could have made to modernize that and make it clearer and... Because otherwise, I mean, let's, let's face it, a lot of gamers are very completionist by nature because you give them something they can chase after and they're going to feel like they should... Right. And it's only by a lack of patience, but that loss of patience means there's an acknowledgement of missing out, or there's some kind of feeling. And even then, one of the one, one of the things of playing this remake revealed to me is how many flaws Secret of Mana as a game always had. Charging attacks is not really worth it. For example, um, you don't really increase the chances of actually hitting the enemy. So you could spend a while charging to like level five attack and not even hit. Right. So it's like this time-consuming thing when otherwise you could just do regular attacks. In which case, why am I leveling up these weapons anyway? Which makes it feel like the game's got pointless mechanics built into. Them. Well, I guess then part of the question is though, is if were these games any good in the first place? If if it's not going to entice a, a younger gamer who, you know, say somebody who's who's 13, 14 right now. Um, so, you know, they were born See, that's, after, you know, like, I don't know what, Final Fantasy twelve had already come out by the time they were born. See, that's tough to say because I think it also depends on the kid. Um, right. Well, obviously, right. So I, so I get introduced to Final Fantasy seven at, I was maybe 14, or 14 or 15, I guess I'm probably 15 because of PC port. Um, I go back and I figure out, I learn about emulation for the sake of playing. Like what we talked about last week? Right, we were talking about this, yeah, the other couple weeks ago or whatever. That you're right, for the, the sake last of playing episode, one, yeah. one, two, uh, three, four, five, six, like I, I you know, get emulators and I get. ROMs and I find the tr- the fan translations and like some of that was a little janky getting that all together. Yeah, this means you don't even have the childhood nostalgia for Final Fantasy IV story 
Why are you defending it so much more adamantly than I am? I'm the one that played it at seven. Because it's great. <laughs> um, but anyway, so right, so there's there's obviously there's some kids who just want to play Call of Duty. Yeah. And, and not even just that. Like my nie- my my niece, I'm finding really likes games that are a bit more open, like the open world kind, where she feels like she can walk around and do anything, or like Minecraft, where she could just build something and be creative. Whereas I feel like my step nephew is more open to some of the older type of games, like I grew up, because he's just got a different kind of curiosity to them. Whereas she wants to immediately have a sense of what she's doing and just be able to do what she wants. And if it's more rigid rule sets, then she ends up losing patience more quickly. And this isn't always the case, but when it, what I've noticed with uh, trying to give her more linear games is this happens quite frequently. And so Secret of Mana, I don't think she would have too much patience or interest in, but I got to see, like, my stepnephew was playing um, his, uh, my sister's uh, and brother-in-law's NES Classic, that I got him for Christmas, and he was playing um, Secret of Mana on his own, and he he didn't quite understand all the rules because the game's not popping up tutorials. But I was able to help him out, and he was having a fun enough time. Yeah. So I think for some kids, I mean, I think the right. basics of the game are enjoyable enough because it gives you some basic rules to apply so you can have a sort of mental strategy. You wait till your charge is 100%, your, your regular attack is 100%, right. swing at the enemy, back away so you don't get hit, 100% swing at the enemy, right. and as more enemies get added, it becomes more complicated, bosses right. you have to fight, you get the magic abilities, so at the very core, this game is going to be fun for a lot of people. I don't think it will be, and I, at this stage, I do not think it is a great game for a lot of people. It was significant when it landed, but while it is possibly aged better than a lot of games on the Super Nintendo, it is not a great game. It has right. too many flaws inherent to its original design. Um, and, and we can kind of see that, because I've gone back... Uh, for example, and played some of the other, like, Shining Force and... Oh, that was the remake I played. It was the Shining Force remake on the Game Boy yeah, Advance. I played, I played, like, the... Um, it was in, like, the Sega Genesis collection. And, and some, I'm trying to remember mm, what a couple yeah, of the other yeah. ones were. Where Did I get that for the Steam Genesis thing? Because if I did, I need to play that again. Right. Well, anyway, so... Sorry, like, sorry. Like sorry. we've already established, it, it wasn't nostalgia or other things that... You know, made me play through Final Fantasy IV. It was just because I a curiosity, curiosity, like right? I love this this sort of thing. So some of these other games just really didn't. While other while others hold up better, yeah. Um, so then we kind of have, like I said, we have this other category of games that really want you to think about, or they want to be the the sort of the long lost sequel to one of these nostalgic type games. And I'm having a hard time coming up with... Like A Link other, Between other than, Worlds? Right. <laughs> or like, I mean, the whole sort of 2D Metroidvania thing um, that that really... I'm... I'm Shadow used, Complex? Shadow Complex. I feel like yes. it started with Shadow Complex. And now it's a, it's a really big genre among indie games. Is And yet... Even amongst other people, because I'm, I'm was mostly Verge. familiar. Uh, Axiom Verge was one of them. Yes, yeah, it was a recent um, one. There's, there's a, there are a few, and then there are some that I think are kind of like given that label. Like I, the recently released Iconoclasts. A lot of people call that a Metroidvania. I'd rather call that a puzzle platformer because the nature of getting around the environments is closer to Zelda, but in the side-scrolling form. So hmm. I think for for a lot of people they would call it a Metroidvania because. It's side-scrolling, but it's open maps, more open maps, so you got to figure out your way around the environment. But for some games, it's less Metroid than others. But I get what you mean. I get what you mean. Like, the spiritual successor is what a lot of people right. call it. Um, sometimes it's by the original creators, like Bioshock was supposed to be a spiritual successor to System Shock kind yeah. of a deal. Um, and there's 
other examples that I cannot call to mind at the moment was Haw- Hawkin was supposed to be a spiritual su- successor to Mechasol, I believe it was. It was. Okay. I think it was Hawkin. That might be... I might be confusing the name. It began with an H. I'm it was not sure. PC only. I, I have absolutely no idea. Yeah, so, but... And then, and then, well, I don't know if we can have a discussion about remakes without talking about the elephant that we'll eventually have in the room, which is... Final Fantasy 7. And I think this is going to be... This is something that I don't think we've really seen. You know, we, we, we would look through a big list of all these remakes and the ones we've played. I don't think we've really seen anything on the scale of what they're doing with the Final Fantasy 7 remake. Can you think of anything on, on that scale where they're saying, we're, we're doing a full-on... We're, we're treating this like a brand-new full-on AAA game, but it is... A, it is, you know, a remake of a what would have been a AAA game from 20 years ago now. I'm not sure. I mean, I really don't know what to say about the Final Fantasy VII remake. I mean, I mean, I know Capcom is remaking Resident Evil 2 right now. They shut down, I think, a fan project, which is now becoming its own original project. I can't remember what the name of that is. But when they shut it down, they saw the response. They were like, wait... Do you guys want a Resident Evil 2 remake? And I think they brought some of those guys on for consultation. Interesting. So I think this year we're going to see the announcement of the Resident Evil 2 remake. And I have no idea what form that will take because is it going to be over the shoulder cam? Is it going to be more like Resident Evil 4 but in Resident Evil 2's world? Um, so, and th- so that's like a closer gap than Resident Evil 1 and the Resident Evil 1 remake. Uh, well, that's a closer gap to Final Fantasy VII, I mean, right. than when Resident Evil 1 was remade. And I have no idea what that's going to look like. Because the hey, PlayStation the era was a very weird era where everyone was figuring out this, like like 3D. Everyone was figuring out 3D, trying to figure out what worked. Yeah. And the thing about Final Fantasy VII is... You have these gorgeous, gorgeous art, right? You have, this game is filled with beautiful art, and then you, like, you stick this, like... Terrible, super deformed polygon of to quote my niece because I was playing it on PS4 a while ago because I I I had nothing to play at the time and I was like you know what I just want to go in and jump in and she walks into the room to see what I'm playing looks at the models and she starts laughing and she's like they look like they just threw it together (laughs) and my response is they they kind of had to they didn't have a lot of computer power at the time. (laughs) Um, but that, I mean, yeah, it's, and you had these awkward graphics that I still think look better than Final Fantasy VIII because Final Fantasy VIII looks no. awful. Final Fantasy VIII, maybe on PC it looked better, or it looks better even now. And you know, I've but, only played it on PC and on emulation, <laughs> so I just, I have no idea what the game actually looks like. The thing is, by abstracting the characters in Final Fantasy VII, uh, the way they did, I feel it looks better in the simplicity than... Oh wow, that's supposed to be a guy in a leather jacket with a holster on his leg, and it just looks awful. But I feel and like the I worst feel like blockiness. The, I, I'm not to get off track here because I have a I have a point. Um, but the, Final Fantasy VIII, I feel like the characters basically looked like on, on about the same level as the characters in Resident Evil on PS1 or any other PS1 game. They did, and um, those that that era of graphics you, were awful, and it was. But I think what you had in Final Fantasy VIII that gave you an advantage over a lot of these other games were again these these still really well drawn backgrounds, backgrounds and, and settings. I actually have somewhere on my on my laptop I have all of the um, all the like the level the, the scene design from Final Fantasy VII and VIII, like from the main areas, all that like downloaded yeah. wallpaper format because I really love, but. So anyway, what I was gonna, but when, we, when it comes right wrapping back around to Final Fantasy VII, though, and the remake, um, personally, all I wish they would do is the original game with a new translation. That's all I want out of Final Fantasy VII. <laughs> now, what? I don't want the remake because the remake is going to be a brand new combat. It's going to be episodic. It's basically going to be Advent Children, um, but a full game of it. And it's Um, going to be rewritten with a lot of the bullcrap from the PSP, the game that's awful. I love that game. 
Dirge of Cerberus, not Dirge of Cerberus, um... Crisis Core. Crisis Core, yeah. Just reading some of that stuff about the setting, like, in a Wikipedia page, is like, I don't, I, no. No, you're making it's it worse. It's a tragedy. You're making it worse. Um, but, but anyway, what, so where this is kind of, what I kind of wanted to wrap around back with Final Fantasy VII and remakes in general, is I think what your, your sort of your core reason for doing a remake should be, and that is... We, and I think Final Fantasy VII is the perfect nexus of this. Where you talked about, we're in this technology transition from 2D to 3D. We have a lot of great ideas. We have a lot of great art, but we're not able to execute it. And so you take that and say, we can execute the original vision and we can make this, we can take the potential that should have been there and we can we can do what we really really wanted to do with it. What was sort of in our heads, we can do that now. And that's where you got to be careful not to George Lucas it. And, and I think we're going to see worse than what George Lucas ever did to his original trilogy. I, I think you're I think you're right, uh, probably. But I think it'll look pretty. It'll be the most pretty George Lucas thing of a property that ever was. And I'm going to love it. I'm just going to eat up every second because you, you may have figured this out. But the, I, I love, I love JRPG badness. <laughs> like, when... when they, they can have, be good too, man. I know, I know they on. can be good. Right. They can be, they can be great. Um, and the stories can be great and personal and actually make up some amount of sense. Um, but at the same time, I love it when it doesn't make sense and when it goes off the rails and when it's melodramatic and Well, terrible. you could, you could do that anyway. You I just love, play Final you know Fantasy VII again. You know I, I love in Final Fantasy VIII when they find out they all knew each okay, other. Okay, okay. This podcast's <laughs> over. This podcast is over. If you want a JRPG that goes off the rails, just play Final Fantasy VII again. The original did plenty of that, especially with that translation. All right, anyways, just, okay, uh, email what you think of remakes and what you expect out of a remake to ramblepack64 at gmail.com, ramblepack, no C, 64 at gmail.com, or facebook.com slash ramblepack64, www.gamertag.net, all the places you can find this stuff. Steve! You can check out some of my reviews of uh, progressive rock and metal at theprogmind.com. That's prog, P-R-O-G, as in progressive, like prog, not as in the city, prog. <laughs> um, I'm also, I may start using my YouTube channel. We'll see. You have a YouTube channel? I talked to channel? Chris about this. I, mean, I have a YouTube channel. Wait, I don't you really... talk to me about this? Remember, I was talking about, um, I, was talking about I, might start, I might start uploading just some gameplay videos, you know. Oh, like nothing. Not not like Chris does these like in depth things, and I'm like I'm gonna do videos of like you know how to beat this boss and just beat the boss and share it on YouTube. Well, good luck with that. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, and then he gets more subscribers than me in like a week. <laughs> All right. So yeah, maybe. Well, then uh, well, if I, you make that happen, then I'll tell you about it. Yeah, exactly. All right, everybody, have a good night. Good night.